0: Welcome to the Elm City Church Podcast. As a community of people who are trying to practice the way of Jesus together, we hope that these messages inspire and equip you for the journey of faith in everyday life.
1: For a communicator, there's nothing more challenging to communicate when the audience is thinking, I've heard this before. Because when you think that, what is the first thing as a listener you do? You check out. You think about, what am I going to have for lunch? What, uh, you know, are the Patriots finally going to pull one out tomorrow night? You're going to be thinking about all of these things. And so I would guess you've heard this story before. We're going to look at the Christmas story through Luke's gospel over the next three weeks. And honestly, I hope though, there's some of you in here that haven't heard it. And if, there's, if you're in here one, you've never heard this, I am really excited that you're here because it's so great to help people encounter the scriptures for the first time. But again we have a there's a danger with familiarity because you enter into something thinking you already know it or thinking you know how god is going to speak through it and when you do that and it's often unintentional you can miss out on what god is going to say because the scriptures are living and active and you wouldn't believe how many times i've gone back to a passage that i felt like i've known and god revealed something new to me god challenged me with something some aha moment i'm like how did i never see this before So what we're going to do over the next three weeks is, again, we're going to look at Luke's narrative surrounding the birth of Jesus, but we're going to look at it through the lens of Mary. Mary's a very important character in the story, obviously. Uh, but I know growing up in a Protestant church, it's almost like there was some anti-Catholic rebellion. So like you didn't talk about Mary that much. You're like, yeah, she's important. But um, I don't know if you've, if, if you've grown up in a Catholic tradition. Maybe you're wondering, how come the Protestant church doesn't talk about Mary enough? Uh, so we're doing a quick three-week series called Merry Christmas. There we go. See, see see, see, what we did there. And we're going to look at a well-known character and see why uh, several ways the scriptures elevate Mary and what we can learn from her faith and her uh, reaction to unexpected circumstances and why she is uh, elevated as a character worthy of emulating. But before we do, what I want to do is orient you around the story. So we're going to look at we'll watch a Bible Project video that is an overview of Luke one and two, um, because they do just such an excellent job framing what we're going to to uh, hear. Because if you look at see so look at look at my Bible, everything right here is what happened before Jesus was born in, in the writings, and then this is the the New Testament. And sometimes we you know neglect. The importance that all of the things that Jesus fulfilled were direct promises that were promised in in this giant section of scripture. And so this video just helps orient you a little bit in where we are in the story before we
2: go on. The Gospel of Luke. Luke investigated many of the earliest eyewitnesses of the life of Jesus and then composed this account.
0: And the story begins up in the hills of Jerusalem, the place where Israel's ancient prophets said that God himself would come one day to establish his kingdom over all the earth. In the city is the temple
2: run by the priests. And one of them, named Zechariah, was working in the temple when he had a vision that freaks him out. An angel appears and says that he and his wife will have a son. What's this all about?
0: Well, Zechariah and his wife, we're told, are very old. They've never been able to have children. And Luke's setting up a parallel here with Abraham and Sarah, the great ancestors of Israel, because they too were very old and could never have kids.
2: Yet God gave them a son, Isaac, which is how the whole story
0: of Israel began. And so Luke's implying here that God's about to do something that significant for this people once again.
2: The angel tells Zechariah to name the son John.
0: And then he says that this son's going to fulfill a promise of Israel's ancient prophets that somebody would come one day to prepare Israel to meet their God when he arrived to rule in Jerusalem. Because right now, Jerusalem
2: is ruled by the Romans.
0: Yeah, specifically, it's governed by a man named Herod, who's a puppet king under the Roman Empire. And so the Jewish people wanted nothing more than to be free and govern themselves in their own land. So this is shocking news. Everything's going to
2: change. God's on his way. But how is he going to arrive?
0: Well, to find out, Luke takes us out of Jerusalem and then up into a small town in the hills of an out-of-the-way region called Galilee. There we find a young woman named Mariam, or we call her Mary. She was engaged to be married. And then an angel appears to Mary saying that she's going to have a son. She's supposed to name him Jesus, which in Hebrew means the Lord saves. And he will be a king like David, who will rule over God's people forever. And then Mary asks, okay, well, how is this possible? Because I'm a virgin. And she's told that the same Holy Spirit that brought life and light out of darkness in Genesis chapter 1 is going to generate life inside her womb. God is about to bind himself to humanity through the conception and the birth of the Messiah.
2: And so Mary goes from some backwoods no-name
0: girl to the future mother of the king? Exactly. In fact, she sings a song about how this reversal of her own social status points to a greater upheaval to come. Through her son, God's going to bring down rulers from their thrones and exalt the poor and the humble. He's going to turn the whole world order upside down.
2: So when Mary was really pregnant, she and her fiance Joseph had to go down to Bethlehem.
0: Yeah, there was a decree across the Roman empire about new taxes. And so everybody had to go get registered in the town of their family line. There were so many visitors in Bethlehem, they can't find a guest room. And so the only place they can find is a spot where animals
2: sleep. Now nearby were some shepherds with their flocks and an angel appears, which of course freaks them out, but they're told to celebrate because tonight in Bethlehem, a savior has been born.
0: Yeah, they're told to go and find this baby and they'll know that it's the Messiah because he's going to be wrapped up and laying in a grimy feeding trough. Yeah, which is pretty gross. Totally. And then these shepherds who aren't very clean themselves, they go and find the newborn Jesus in this really dingy place and their minds are blown. They go home wondering what on earth is about to happen.
2: And this is all really strange. I mean, if God's really coming to save the world, this isn't how you would expect him to arrive. Born in an animal shelter to a teenage girl
0: celebrated by no-name shepherds. Exactly. I mean, everything is backwards in Luke's story. And that's the point. He is showing how God's kingdom was first revealed in these dirty places among the poor. Because Jesus is here to bring salvation by turning our world order Upside down.
1: I love that line at the end where it says, If God is really coming to save the world, this is not how you would expect him to arrive. Born in an animal shelter to a teenage girl celebrated by no-name shepherds. Yet that is the story, and it is so unexpected. So I want to look at it, hopefully, with some fresh eyes this morning. And, today, and this morning's passage is going to be Luke 1, 26 through 38. Luke 1, 26 through 38. And this is how it begins. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. So in Luke one twenty-seven, we are introduced to a young girl named Mary. She lives in a small town called Nazareth, which is uh, 100 miles north of Jerusalem or so, in, an, in kind of an obscure town, out in the, kind of the boonies, if you will. She is betrothed or engaged to a man named Joseph. We find out that Joseph was from the royal line of David, which is an important detail that we'll explore a little bit later. But Mary and Joseph were betrothed. And so to be betrothed was a much more formal process than being engaged. Uh, Jewish marriages, if you had a two-step process. you know, It could have been an arranged marriage, most likely, and it would have started with a contract between the families, and then there would have been an exchange of a bridal price and a dowry. So that would have happened at the betrothal, and then about a year later, the actual wedding would have happened. And so some of this might even sound kind of weird or oppressive to our modern ears, of arranged marriages and dowry prices, but in an ancient Near Eastern culture, marriage was incredibly important for women. It provided them safety, security, and a stable future. This was, these, were, these are not comparable cultures that we live in, so marriage was a very big deal for uh, the future of, of any woman. And from what we know of Joseph's character that's revealed in other places of scripture, Mary was in a really good spot. Joseph wasn't rich, um, but he was a good man. And I'm guessing Mary was very much looking forward to the rest of her life. And in an instant, everything changed. This was not something she had been waiting her whole life for. In an instant, everything changed about her. And she's visited by the angel Gabriel, who greets her by saying, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. So this, this phrase, this title, favored one. So in the word for grace in Greek is charis. And so favored one comes out of that root, and I won't, this won't be pronounced correctly, but you'll see, you'll see charis in it, is basically "Karatuo." So fa- grace is charis, favored one, 2o. So what the angel says is, greetings, oh one that the Lord has chosen to pour his grace upon you. The Lord is with you. The Lord's grace is upon you because he has chosen you. That is Mary's greeting. Uh, and her response, I would say, is very uh, expectant. It says, but she was greatly troubled at the saying. You know, sometimes we read the scriptures and think that angels just kind of show up and talk to people and it was more normal. No, they would have been just as surprised as you would be if an angel showed up and talked to you. You know, this takes the Bible is written over the course of thousands of years, and there's very, very few scenes where angels come and appear and talk to you. So Mary is freaked out, if you will, she's greatly troubled is deeply anxious at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid for you have found favor with God. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Do not be afraid because you are the loving object of God's grace. And only after being assured a second time that she is the favored one, that she is the one that God has chosen to bestow his grace upon, is her task revealed. And I think that is so important, the way the story flows. Mary is assured several times of how much God loves her, how much God's grace is upon her before she's given a difficult assignment. And this is what the angel tells her. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and you're gonna bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Sometimes we're so used to this story, we don't realize how shocking this announcement would be. Uh, You're going to have a son, and the baby that will grow inside of you will be the culmination of not only the hopes of Israel, but the hopes of the entire world. He will fulfill God's promise to Israel and be given the throne of David, and his kingdom will be eternal and it will never end. So naturally, after hearing that, Mary has a few questions. I can see her like, like, uh, just, just a couple of things I'd like to ask before we go on. And the first and most obvious was, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Uh, It's important to point that out because sometimes, again, this was no less shocking and unbelievable to someone in first century Nazareth as it would be to us today. Uh, And this is how the angel answered her. He said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren so we're given almost no real details on the conception of jesus other than the holy spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you i like how the the, the video put it saying that the language used of of, of the immaculate um of, of mary giving the virgin birth of virgin conception is the same language kind of for god creating life where there was none so the same spirit that brought life into Gen- in the Genesis account in the world was the same spirit that brought life into, her, into Elizabeth's barren womb and was the same spirit that was bringing life to Mary's womb. You know, so, sometimes I wish the Bible gave us more details. I was like, what, what did Jesus' DNA look like? Always, I love the way my brain works. I'm always curious about questions like that. But we're not told. Um. <clears throat> But it would take an entire message really to cover the implications in the theology of the virgin birth, or more accurately, the virgin conception of Jesus. But the clear teaching of Luke and Matthew is that Mary became pregnant by supernatural means. Jesus was uniquely created and conceived in the womb by the power of the Holy Spirit. And again, this doctrine was no less unbelievable, if you will, then than it would be today. Some you know people ask, do you, do you really have to believe this? Is this an essential part of the story? You know, could we just say that part was you know, just kind of added in? Um, even Mary, when was told this, she was like, how can this be? You know, but this all throughout is an important piece of the story that can't be pushed aside. Because one of the theological reasons for the virgin birth is that for Jesus to be the new representative for humanity, in contrast with Adam who sinned, Jesus had to be born free of a sin nature. So not only was Jesus sinless, but he was totally untainted by sin, therefore allowing him to be the sinless representative for humanity, and he could attend, take on the sins of the world. That is the theological underpinnings for why this is so important. But again, Mary's question, how will this be, is answered by the angel Gabriel this way when he says this, for nothing is impossible with God. For nothing is impossible with God. God if God is the God who can create the world with a command if he is the creator and author of life then nothing is impossible for him no matter how implausible it might sound to us sometimes it's just so helpful when you're wondering how can this be the simple truth of because nothing's impossible with God nothing and listen to how Mary responds to hearing this behold I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. What a mature response from a shell-shocked teenage girl. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And what Luke is doing here, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is presenting Mary as worthy of study and emulating. She is the type of person that God desires to bless, and what, what I think is even more uh, fascinating and instructive is that when you think about the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Luke was written in an ancient Near Eastern context by a man named Luke, and the one of the in an ancient Near context that was a highly patriarchal society. And one of the reasons why Luke was written was to authenticate the story of Jesus and convince others that it's true. And the character that Luke, inspired by the Holy Spirit, chooses to highlight as worthy of studying, copying, and as the object of God's grace, is an insignificant teenage girl named Mary. Indeed, everything is upside down on how you would expect this story to be told, especially in its context listen to what uh, one person said about about mary and i and i and i think it's so good it says mary reflects the person whom god unexpectedly chooses to use she brings no outstanding credentials to the task and lives on the edge of the nation she brings nothing on her resume other than her availability and her willingness to serve but those characteristics are the most basic ones anyone can offer mary brings with her availability and a willingness to serve And if you have those two things, God can and will use you. This is what she says. Use me as you will. I will not refrain from serving because I don't feel qualified. How beautiful is that? Um, One of the most surprising and unexpected things I've seen happening this year uh, within our community is that there is almost a mini revival happening among teenage girls both at the high school and and around. It's been really awesome to watch. Uh, one of our students, uh, who Kenzie Waterman, who attends here, she spearheaded uh, starting a Bible club at the high school that meets on Fridays. It has been awesome. And I, and I got to go two weeks ago. They just kind of invited me in, and I didn't know what to expect. But what's so amazing about it, the way the high school is set up, is that from one twenty to 2.10, there's a block of time, called Time, where you can start clubs or people can use study halls that she and kind of spearheaded it, and then several other kids from elm city church helped come alongside to start this club and um it's amazing and i and i got to show up and there was the first week There was 14 kids that were there that chose to be there and i chose what i thought was a very well-known story the story of the good samaritan which i happened also just preach on so it cut down on my on my prep time uh, but after reading it, I was like, All right, I'm so curious. How many of you, this is the first time you've heard this story before? And like seven kids raised their hands. It was incredible to watch. And what's really exciting is in the second service, five uh, girls are getting baptized. Five girls, some of them from that group are, are, are coming to profess their allegiance to Jesus publicly. And it's just so beautiful and refreshing to see people experience Jesus. But I want to draw your attention again to the words of Mary when she says, let it be to me as you have said. Because this line reveals her incredible faith and character. And while this might sound simple on the surface, just remember what she was being asked. She was being asked to bear a child as a virgin without being married. And she responded even before there was any promise that Joseph would understand or stay with her. She did not know that part of the story yet before she said, let it be to me. And in standing up for God and his power, she will probably become the object of much doubt and ridicule. She, she, she said yes, knowing that. And, as, uh, and I kind of prepared a part where I'm speaking to some of the, you know, in the second service, some of the girls that are going to get baptized and are about part of that club of just like, this might happen to you in some capacity that you might be ridiculed and become the object of doubt for standing up for God. I know there are parts about for them for starting this, that they face some opposition, they face some pushback, they face some skepticism. Um, the The red carpet was not rolled out to make it super easy. Pray for our students. Pray for our middle schoolers and our high schoolers. Um, we have a, a partners meeting after church, and it was as Shannon was helping me come up with, you know, how many high school and middle schoolers are connected to our church? And there's 30 junior hires and high schoolers that are, that are connected to our church. Pray for them. It is not easy. But what gave Mary the confidence to be able to say that? Why is Mary so secure in being able to say, let it be to me as you have said, and it's this? She knows that she is dearly loved and is the object of God's grace. Therefore, she will allow God to work through her as he wills. She is the favored one, the one who has been shown the grace and the love of God. And because of that, Mary was okay with God placing her in whatever difficult circumstances he desired because she knows that God is with her. Hear that again. Mary was okay with God placing her in whatever difficult circumstances he desired because she knew that her God was with her. Does that describe you? Do you have that level of confidence? Do you have that, that level of security? If it doesn't describe you, the good news is it can because God's grace is available to all who see their need of forgiveness and restoration. Jesus is the son of the most high God who came to save us from our sins in this very day you can experience the salvation that those who are getting baptized later have experienced because God is the same yesterday today and forever and the same God who creates life where there is none who spoke the world into existence who produced Jesus and Mary who brought alive barren Elizabeth's womb can spiritually breathe new life into you That is the promise and the hope of Scripture. Uh, Last last week or two weeks ago, I talked about uh, this German word, weltschmerz, that described this feeling of languish and just struggle when you look at the reality of the world, if you will, versus the ideal. And the reason why you feel that is because you were designed for something better. The reason why we often languish in our circumstances and almost have this echo of the way things should be is that when the story of the scriptures starts, it does not start with a mess. It starts with beauty. That God designed the world good and we all crave and long for it. But something happened. Something has messed up this world that we live in and it's something called sin. See, right, right in the beginning, and sin makes a mess of everything. And one thing that sin does is it leads to brokenness. And sometimes we contribute to this brokenness from our choices, and other times we are the recipient of the brokenness of the world. And we can try all of these things to escape through achievement or purpose or whatever it is. But nothing we can do on our own can help free us from the brokenness that's both in us and the brokenness of the world around us. And that is why the gospel is such good news. That is why Jesus came, because he entered into our brokenness. He was the one who came to set things right. What I love about this story is that Jesus wasn't, he wasn't born in a castle. He wasn't born to privilege. He willingly went into and lived a difficult life so that he could understand our weaknesses and our struggles. He passed every test along the way as the perfect representative of humanity, and then he went to a cross and died in our place for our sins. And he offers us salvation and reconciliation by faith in what he has done. And the invitation to that is to repent and believe the good news. To repent and believe the good news. And the promise of scripture is all who repent of their ways, believe in what Jesus has done, will be saved and will be restored back so they can recover and pursue the purpose they are created for that is what Christmas is all about. That is what the story of the scriptures teach and share at this time. So my invitation and my question to you this morning as you're sitting here, do you see yourselves living into God's design? Or do you feel like you're stuck in brokenness? Because you're, you're in one or the other. And often I'll talk to people and they'll be like, you know what, I'm not, I, don't know. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know where I am. And I'll gently say, if you don't know where you are, there's a word for that. It's called being lost. And that's okay. Because Jesus has come to rescue lost sinners. You do not have to stay in your brokenness because Jesus provided a way. And if you're here and you're thinking, I'm stuck in there, but I I want to embrace this good news, you can. You do not have to leave here with these feelings of angst and brokenness and insecurity and being unsure because Jesus has come so that you could know him.
0: We hope this message has been impactful. For more information about how you can connect with Elm City Church, visit elmcitychurch.com or follow us on social media. We'd love to help you take some next steps.